0: Welcome to the Girl on Top, Shalin XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. Got a love quandary? Head to my website, ShallonLester.com, to get connected and also shop my merch and take some fun quizzes. Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it and follow me on Instagram at ShallonXO and, and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. Welcome back to the podcast, Shalloners. We're going to kind of skip a mantra today and instead, we're just going to embrace a little silence. I feel like there's not enough silence in our lives. We're always so distracted. We're listening to something. I mean, we're listening to something right now. So it's okay to just take 30 seconds of your life of just Stillness, And if there's a mantra that you've been kind of pinging around your brain this last week, feel free to sub it in. But if not, just try to sit inside that still space. So we're going to wiggle our jaw. We're going to roll our shoulders back. Shake those little boobs. <laughs> Tug on your ears. Just get yourself in a relaxed state of mind a little bit. We're going to breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. In we go. And out through the mouth. We just want to hold that breath at the top of the inhale and then release all that bad energy, all that bad air. Get ready to receive the message. One more time in through the nose. out through the mouth. Well, before we get started, just want to remind you that I get all of these questions from the Shalligator Reddit thread. There's over 3,000 of you guys on there right now. It's so fantastic. It's a great place to collab. Head on over there and join. You guys post questions of your own, funny memes. You always respond to each other. It's just such a cute little sisterhood. And speaking of sisterhood and collaboration, come to Mexico with me. We are are going on a shalligator getaway to Tulum, Mexico. I partnered with influencer travel company, Trend 45. And we have just sold out the third week, which is June 27th to July 2nd. So we've added another. I will be joining the first week of their getaway. You guys can click the link in the bio down there and check it out and apply. But the dates are June 11th to the 17th. I would love to have you there with me. It's going to be so much fun. Okay, let's get into our podcast. We're gonna talk to one shalligator, going through some stuff. This question is from a shalligator who is curious about dating a guy friend. She said, I've got a guy friend who's humble, ambitious, dedicated to himself, nice, hot as fuck, but I don't want to date him because I'm scared of losing him and messing up our friendship. So I just keep him as a friend. I don't think I'm ready for a relationship because I myself have a lot of internal problems, but then again, like, will I ever not? So should I just date him or should I wait until I'm emotionally better? This is a really good question, but it, it pings to something larger. But first, let's talk, tackle, excuse me, the surface issues. One of you guys responded and said exactly the right thing. Well, you need to know if he likes you first before you make any moves. If he likes you, then go for it. But don't go out on an emotionally risky limb if he just sees you as a friend. This is so wise. We talk about guy friends a lot, like how to know if a guy likes you. You know how you'll know? He'll tell you. There's this old joke, like, how do you know if someone's vegan? How do you know if they do CrossFit? They'll tell you. If a guy isn't telling you he likes you, and I don't just mean in words, because actually talk is so cheap. Talk and words are the least reliable form of communication. Believe behaviors, do not believe words. And if his behavior isn't, I'm pursuing you, I'm coming after you, I'm showing up, I'm asking you on dates. If there is not the two factors of a guy liking you in a quality way, which is number one, there's a pattern of communication. He calls and texts regularly. He doesn't ghost out for weeks at a time. He doesn't go cold and then come back and love bomb you and need to see you every second. And number two, there's an escalation of that pattern. It goes from glances in the hallway. Hey, can I get your number? texting then calls then dates then meeting the friends then meeting the parents right there's that escalation if you don't have both of those factors, you do not have a guy who likes you in the right way. if you just have the first one a pattern well you have a friend right? if you just have the second one escalation but no pattern you've got a fuck boy or a love bomber or a booty call or whatever term you want to give to it that's not okay. So if you don't have these things going on, with a guy friend or any guy who likes you, it's a non-viable thing, it's a non-starter. Because like we always talk about, the passive reciprocation loop, you don't wanna get caught in this trap of you pursuing him. Well, he's amazing, so I'm gonna ask him out this is hard for us as women because we are achievers. We're acquirers. We're doers. We're all alpha females here. Right? And so we are hardwired kind of, you know, with our behavior and our personality to just like go for the things that we want. We go for that degree. We go for that big paycheck, the corner office, the friendship, the trip to Portugal, whatever. And we have to stop when it comes to dating though. We cannot do that. And I know I know it feels antithetical and it feels, I mean, just kind of unnatural with our personalities and how we move through the world, but truly it doesn't work. If it worked, I'd be like, well, fuck the rules and fuck feminism. I'd fucking go after that guy. No, I'm telling you not to chase because it doesn't work. I've been there. And if you ask any woman who is chronically, or even maybe just once chased a guy, ugh, Because what the passive reciprocation loop is, and we talk about this a lot. Yeah, he'll answer. Sure, he'll meet up. Yeah, he'll fuck you. That isn't courtship. That's not pursuit. That's not a man hunting. And you know what happens? One day, he simply stops reciprocating. He finds a girl he does like, and all of a sudden, he's pursuing her. And you're like, "Ah, wait a minute, what? Or he'll ghost out. And you're like, what happened? And the horrible truth is nothing happened. Nothing changed. He wasn't pursuing you then. He's not pursuing you now. He's just stopped reciprocating, right? So we cannot get caught in that. So if this guy is not coming after you, if he's not giving you those signs that he wants to take things to the next level, then this is a non-starter. And no matter how shy a guy is, no matter how much of like a bro he is, This dude doesn't need to be Lord Byron. Men will make it known. I've told you guys a story before of my, one of my guy friends, and he moved into this building. This was a few years ago, moved into this building and started hooking up with a chick on a different floor. And I was like, trip, don't do that. That's a really bad idea to hook up with someone in your building because then you have to slither around. If things go bad, he's like, ah, it's fine. I just want a booty call. Like she's down for it too. Literally they hooked up twice and he's like, no, I actually want to date you. And he is like a bro and a half. He's not Mr. Feelings, like college lacrosse player. Exactly what you're picturing. Fratty as fuck. And he was like, no, I want to date you in the right way. I don't want you to think I have you in the booty call category. And therefore, I don't want to be in the booty call category. And now they're married. A guy, when he wants you, will come after you. It might not be particularly graceful. It might be awkward and stuttering and clumsy and his hands might be sweaty and he might trip all over his words, but he'll make it known. And if he doesn't, if we tell ourselves, well, you know, he's just too shy and he's hurt over this past relationship, that's part of the passive reciprocation. That's part of you making excuses for a man who, I mean, isn't making excuses for himself. No man is too shy to go after a woman he wants. And if he is, he doesn't deserve to have that woman, right? He doesn't deserve to have it. He is a failure to launch. And we cannot close the gap between who a man is and who he should be in order to have us. That's not our work. We don't court ourselves. We're not our own boyfriends so that he doesn't have to do well because he's hard and he's shy, you're hurt. You're shy. You are not going out on that emotionally risky limb. Why? To get a guy who doesn't want to get got? What's the fucking point? I like dating people because they make me feel good. They make me feel like a princess. They plan fun dates. I'm excited to see what they're going to do. I'm excited to see what compliments they're going to give me. Like it's I mean, of course you date someone to connect and and all of that, but like the courtship process is my favorite process. People would say, Oh, I just hate dating. That's because you're not doing it right. That's because you're dating them. They need to be dating you, baby girl. There is no other animal in the entirety of the animal kingdom where the female pursues the male, not one. So why are we the smartest and most rational of animals, bucking the trend that mother nature herself has instituted across all species, genus, phylum, everything. There was this disgusting fish they're washed ashore in my hometown in Crystal Cove in Newport Beach. It's an anglerfish. It's a deep sea fish that's 3,000 feet down. It's just an exercise in hideousness. It's an absolute fucking monster. It's huge. It's like the size of, I don't know, it can be like two feet long. It's like black with these huge razor sharp teeth. And it's got this little thing that dangles over its head like a little carrot on a stick. And it's this bioluminescent light that glows in the dark underwater to attract prey because other fish are like, oh, it's a line, I'm going to swim towards it. Goop, gobble it up. And the researchers who found it, they're like, well, we know that this is a female because the male, while the female grows to two feet, the male is only one inch big. Why? Its entire existence is to serve as a mate for the female. It becomes what is known as a sexual parasite. It gloms onto the female. She like fucks him to death, takes what she needs and he literally disintegrates until all that's left are his testicles like or what they call testicles so that the female can use it the man has no purpose he's a stunt dick he's just a just a groupon cock right and what's funny (laughs) my mom pointed this out she's like why did they name it the football fish And I was like, well, of course a man named it because they were trying so desperately to feel relevant because this fish needs nothing from a man. So they're like, I know, let's name it the football? Let's name it the football fish. Just name it the dangling ovary fish and call it a day. Nobody needs you. Nobody needs your bullshit man name. But I digress. My point is you don't need this either. You need to be very aware of what a man is bringing to the table if he's bringing anything to the table. So let's talk about the secondary issue of this question. It really stood out to me. She's like, I don't think I'm ready for a relationship because I myself have a lot of internal problems, but then again, will I ever not? Um, no, I mean, you'll have them forever unless you work on them. Yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. It's like, if this was, cause you know, sometimes we can't really get a sense of like a situation. So I copy and paste it into a different context. If this was a physical thing, well, I'm 30 pounds overweight, but I mean, will I always just be 30 pounds overweight? Well, yeah. I mean, if you don't go to the gym and change your diet, yes, you'll probably be 50 pounds overweight. You'll probably be 80 pounds overweight. It's just going to keep trending in that direction. Same with our emotional problems. Yeah. If we don't tackle something, things don't magically get better. They magically get worse because we entrench into these problems. They become not just a problem we're aware of. We don't even stay aware of it. This, well, this is just what I do. I mean, I just like get really drunk and then I scream at a guy and then I throw up all over his bed and then like, okay, like we break up and then I drive by his house and we get back together. You tell yourself, well, this is just me. This is just like how I am, right? This is true. If we're trying to save money, if we're trying to lose weight, And it's interesting how a lot of these things, they're all correlated. Very rarely is someone a complete fucking disaster in one area of their life, whether it's their health, their money, their career, their friendships, their romances, but perfect in all the rest. It simply doesn't work like that. We are not contained units in all these different categories. It all bleeds together, especially if we're not tackling these issues, because then we fundamentally move through our life. Like I said, just, well, this is just me. I just call people names when I'm mad. I just get really mad and I just can't help it. Yes, you can. Control rests entirely within our power. So if we're telling ourselves, I don't know, I've just got a lot of problems. Well, get to stepping. Let's start working on it. The gift and the curse is we can fix ourselves. And that's amazing. We have that power. Oh, but we also have that burden, right? There is no one else who's going to ride in to save us. And that sucks. But the good point is we get to save ourselves and we get to do it in our way. When we ask the world for help, when we require saving from other people, hey honey, it's on their terms. When you ask someone to help you move or drive you to the airport, you're at their mercy. That's how that goes on the micro and the macro. So we gotta save ourselves. And again, we can do it in our own way. But I have a feeling the shalligator is working on herself because she's aware, you know, she's like, I've got things going on and should I wait till I'm better? And again, though, this better is not just going to magically arrive one day. And when I was younger, I really did think that it would. I thought that there would be just like a day where I woke up and I have no more issues with food and I just stop blowing money on stupid stuff. I just like wake up and I'm like, I'm here. I'm like better and mature and smarter. It's just, it just like arrived on a Wednesday afternoon. No, it doesn't. I would look at celebrities that I admired who were older or friends and and I'm like, oh, well, when I'm 28, I'm not going to be stressed about my body. I'm going to be thinner. Why would that just magically arrive? I'll be thinner if I spend the next five years working out. I'll be richer if I spend the next two months saving my money. But no, it's not just going to simply arrive like an Amazon package. It doesn't work that way. And I really wish I had gotten that memo at like age 14 instead of like 30 when I finally did. Then I'm like, oh, fuck, if I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm going to keep getting what I'm getting. And I really I've gotten that memo like recently. I feel like when I moved to Montana, I've said this before, that like my life just kind of started over. I really do feel reborn. And it helped snap into clarity lessons that they were like in there, like a latent, like dormant positive virus, just waiting to bloom to life. And then like snapping out of my environment of New York and my rut. It's like, oh, oh, okay. 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 We're going to actualize these lessons now. I've known them, but they weren't necessarily always in action. Things like getting my health and my body in order, being better with my money, not being anxious about doing my day-to-day tasks, like checking my email, you know, like I am trying to grow up and growth is painful and growth is awkward, but we got to do it because otherwise we stagnate. But then there's another layer to this question that I really like. I have problems. Will I ever not? Should I just date him or wait till I'm emotionally better? I think this is a really good question to ask because when we realize, when we become self-aware, it's like, ugh, I need to communicate better. Ah, uh, I need to get my career in order. Look, I should stop drinking as much. When we realize that there's work to do, and part of the reason we shy away from doing the work is because we feel like the rest of our life has to grind to a halt. Well, if I get healthy, then I can't go out anymore. I mean, my God, I'm not going to have any friends. I can't have a piece of birthday cake. Okay, if I want to communicate better and have a healthier relationship, what do I just have to like be this celibate monk for the next 10 months until I complete all this therapy? No. I don't think so. If you want to do that, that's great. If you can, I mean, seriously, like if you can, like, if you're okay with like, no, I'm like grounding myself for the next three months and I'm working out and I'm going to bed early. And that's, I'm not going to see anyone very rarely. If that's truly how you operate, that's fine. And I I think that's really admirable for most of us though, that sort of all or nothing, you know, edict can, it can blow it because it's like, well, I didn't do CrossFit seven days this week. So I'm a piece of shit and I'm just, I'm fuck this whole diet all altogether. I'm just, I'm going back to Taco Bell, right? It can set us up for failure. Well, I mean, I <laughs> thought I was doing so well choosing the right person, but this didn't work out so great. I went through this with one of my guy friends actually recently, and he had just the most disastrous relationship with his ex-girlfriend. He, she was the love of his life. He loved her to death and he cheated on her like a lot. And as any sane woman would do, she left him. And he was just heartbroken and she was heartbroken. It was just really awful to watch. And I told him and she had told him, it's like, you normalize chaos. Like you seek out chaos. It's like being happy is like this. You have this allergy to it and you have to scratch at it until it bleeds. You have to ruin something. And he's like, I know. And losing her was it was the the worst possible outcome and now it's here. And so I really have to get my shit together. I was like, yeah, I mean, you're not going to get her back, but great, good choice. And so he's been working on himself and going to therapy and just, just making a lot of really good decisions. And it's been really cool to see that transition. But then he dated this chick who was insane. I mean threw eggs at his house and what, and I witnessed the whole relationship and like, it really was not him. It was not his fault. He was very honest with her about what he could give her and what he didn't want to give her. And she did this thing that so many girls and guys do. It's like, she read between the lines, she looked for these loopholes and broke her own heart and went berserk completely on her own. And he went berserk in his own way. And it's like he fell off the wagon. It's like he had been sober and he just went on a binge. And he's like, see, I tried. I tried to choose a good person. I tried to do the right thing and it didn't work out. So fuck all of this. I'm going back to who I used to be. And I was like, grow the fuck up, Jeff. Like literally grow up. First of all, doing the right thing doesn't guarantee the perfect outcome. This isn't what life owes you. This isn't how it goes. Plenty of us do the right thing. And we, you know what? things fall apart. True happiness is based in resilience and resilience is, you know, it didn't work out. That's all right. I'm going to dust myself off. I'm going to block her fucking number, but I'm going to keep going. It is not. Well, I tried. And so I'm like, look, you have been doing work on yourself, but that doesn't mean you can't get out there and play. You know what I mean? It's like an athlete will practice and they'll exercise and they'll run plays and they'll look at, you know, charts, whatever, what athletes look at, like play books, graphs, little things that they draw about. We run over there. Wow. You can tell I was an athlete, <laughs> but they also get out there and they play, they play, they scrimmage, they even play games. And then they go back, they lose the game. They go back and they learn What did I learn from this? What did I learn from this? So the concept that we have to take ourselves completely out of the dating game while we are learning how to date better always realistic, not even all that healthy because we can get in our own head a lot. And now that the pandemic is over, basically, I mean, it certainly is in Montana and we're re-entering society. This is another question we're asking ourselves. Okay. I've realized during this pandemic, now that I've been out of the dating game or the absence of FOMO and all this socialization, I realized what I was doing wrong, what I do need, what I was gravitating towards. It was healthy or unhealthy. How do I merge these two things. Do I keep dating while I'm working on myself? I think the biggest way to know that you should not date while you're working on yourself is, I mean, you really have to check in with yourself emotionally. If you have this feeling of anxiety, getting out there and dating. And not just the anxiety of like, oh man, I got to dress up. There's a difference between nerves and anxiety. And even some anxiety can be good and normal and healthy. And some really is your intuition trying to tell you something. And you need to ask yourself one question. If I'm dating, what am I picturing this saving me from? Is there an emotional getaway car at play here? Okay, well, I want to go. I need to get back on Tinder because I'm just so blank. I can't stand it. If it's, and it might not have a tidy little word because a lot of us, we date because we're bored. You know, I'm bored. I want attention. I want to meet boys. It's fun. Okay. That's fairly healthy, right? That's why most of us date and get out there and flirt and everything. But if it's, I'm so trapped with my family. I'm so adrift with my career. I hate my career. I have no friends I don't know anyone here. I'm broke and I need someone to like fund my life. I'm behind schedule. I lost a year of my life. I got to get out there and find a fucking husband. I'm almost 30. These are not good answers. I want you to look them in the face. I want you to be honest about them. But then I want you to step back and be like, okay, this is not the time for me to date. Because what's going to happen is you're going to be easy prey for a very toxic person. And toxicity isn't about purposefulness. People can be accidentally extremely toxic to our life, right? They can simply, actually what I found is like when somebody else is healthy and when we're in a bad place, they're kind of the most toxic of all because they're like, look, I'm not bullshitting you. I don't want a relationship. And we're like, uh-huh. So by that you mean you do do want a relationship. When we're not in a good place, the passive reciprocation loop kicks in. I'll text him first. I'll set the date. He's busy. I'll just go over there. And oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like 9 PM on a Thursday. That's fine. I'll go over there. Oh no, no, no. I'll get the wine. Cause like he's tired. He doesn't have to go get it. And he wants to hook up. That's fine. Let's do it. This is not good. I think the way to know that you're ready to date is that you're okay to deploy boundaries. I got out of a relationship. Vince and I broke up a few months ago. And I don't want a boyfriend, but it'd be nice to like meet people and go out and stuff. And I know that I'm okay with that because I have no problem cutting someone off. When I match with someone or I meet someone at a bar, it's like, I don't sit around and like daydream about them. In my recent video, I talked about the cocktail party moment with Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck, where it's this moment where we present the story of a romance to the world and see how delighted people are with it. It's more about how does this actually look than how does it feel? And if it is about how it feels, is that a feeling of this is saving me? This is saving me from something. A relationship should be a compliment. It should be at the parsley on the side of your plate, an already full plate. It should not be the meal itself. It should not be the entirety of the thing that is nourishing you in your life. And you have to be really honest with yourself if that's where you're at. It's okay if that's where you're at. We're all there at times. I mean, and if you say that you're not, you've never been there, you're lying. And so you're the most susceptible of all to these manipulative people, right? So don't do that. It's okay if you're like, no, I'm not, oof, I don't know that I'm in a good place. That's all right. Go back to the drawing board. Whatever that person was going to save you from, how can you save yourself? What can you do to import whatever they were going to give you into your life? I've talked before about my mom, Hannah Hardwalker, a guy I met when I moved here that I imprinted on because he was like, as I viewed him, popular and well-connected. And he was so like socially adept and he just, and he like knew how to do everything Montana. He can hunt and he could fish and he could dirt bike and ride motorcycles. Is that the same thing? I don't even know. He was just like everything I wanted to be, really. And I could feel myself imprinting on him. I could feel the obsession. And I have enough strength in myself. I have enough guts And i have enough pride pride should not be the thing that keeps us from looking things in the face it's the opposite i'm proud of myself when i look my issues in the face and i know that i'm capable of doing that i know that i'm smart enough and strong enough to do it and survive so i looked it in the face i'm like he's not someone i love he's someone i want to be okay how can i diversify myself how can i become him how can i be more socially connected be better at cool montana things i started riding horses i started making friends I started going to church. I started integrating myself into society here. And so now when I look at him, I'm like, oh yeah, he's the parsley on the plate. That's great. He's a compliment to a life that of mine that's already full. What does he bring to the table? Because I am the table. So we really got to get to the root of why we're dating. We must always ask ourselves that. And it's okay to keep working on yourself while you're moving through the world. I think a good way to make this happen and to strike a balance is something as simple as having a very rigid schedule. I try to keep a very, very, very rigid schedule. And honestly, lately, I feel like I've strayed from it and I've been very loosey goosey. I moved recently and I I feel like that's always just so incredibly disruptive. Just, I mean, the routes you take to get to the grocery store are different. Where your cups are in the house are different. Like a lot of times our routines work because we're on autopilot for the little stuff. You know, we don't have to think about where we're parking the car. We don't have to think about where we go shopping. It's just like, all that stuff is like asked and answered. So moving to me is always like extremely disruptive emotionally. Like I've been, I've been in a funk. I've been really down in the dumps and it's also disruptive schedule wise. So, and that feeds into the funk. Cause I'm like, I'm not being productive. I'm not getting things done. Who am I without my productivity? What is my place in this world? Why do I even exist right? Like packing up a house shouldn't trigger an existential crisis, but it does. It does sometimes change really does. And so when we can stick to a routine, we give ourselves that anchoring foundation. And I don't care if it's something as simple as, you know what I always go back to making your bed. I am the person who makes my bed every morning, no matter what my bed gets made. If I'm tired, I'm sick, I'm hungover. It doesn't matter. I make my bed. That anchors my day. It's very simple and it's silly, but it's something. And then I'm like, okay, I made my bed. My room's great. I am visually uncluttered in my home. Now I can go to the gym. You have to build on top of that. So if you can come up with a rigid schedule for yourself, that's going to keep you from veering into a toxic relationship. One good thing to do, get up at the same time every day. I don't care if it's like, 9.30 a.m. I don't care if it's 6.30, whatever works for you. I'm a big sleeper. And, you know, CEOs are always like, I get up at five. I fucking don't. I sleep. My body needs sleep. And I get up at 8.30 every day. For some people, that's really late. For others, it's really early. But for me, that's where I'm at in order to get the sleep I need to move through my day in a productive way. So come up with a schedule. If it's, I go running every day at seven, do you know what that's going to prevent? Well, it's going to prevent some late night booty calls. It's going to prevent you like staying up and going out to the bars and snorting Adderall with some dude or your friends because you're staying out because you are desperate to meet a guy. If you have a rigid schedule and you're like, no, 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 this is what I do. This is who I am. This is how I move through the world. You've got boundaries. And you know what fuck boys hate? Boundaries. They don't like your sexual boundaries. They don't like your time and logistical boundaries. They don't want a partner. They want a fan. They want a toy. They want a possession that they can manipulate at will, take off the shelf when they feel like playing with her, and then just cast her aside when they get bored, right? When you have boundaries, you are fuck boy proof. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm not accepting a last minute date. I, I can't do that. I have book club every Monday, so sorry. I have a boundary. Mm, That sounds nice coming over at 9 p.m. on a Thursday and bringing your ass wine. But I don't do that because I don't fuck guys. I haven't known longer than two months. Right. And you're going to weed out bad people because quality guys, guys who are also working on themselves, they love someone else with boundaries. I've realized that one of my favorite qualities in a guy and I didn't even know this until like I think I saw it. I don't know. But it's discipline. I want a man of discipline. He gets up at a good amount of time. He works out every day. He calls his mom once a week. He goes to church. He wrangles cattle. whatever it might be. There is discipline associated with it. I don't care if he's a fishing guy. Well, I do. I don't like fish and I'm not going to date a fishing guy, but you know what I mean? If he is disciplined in that, if he is disciplined in the pursuit of excellence in that category, that is attractive. Because I want to be like that. And so I want to be around someone who's making me better. And he's going to want to be around me because I'm going to make him better in a different category. Like attracts like. Water seeks its same level. So if you are putting up those boundaries, if you've got a schedule, if you've got goals and hobbies and friends and those things come first and you're working on yourself, even if your logistical rigidity is therapy. I mean, that's fantastic. You're going to weed out people Who don't like that about you? Because what do we say about boundaries? The people who hate your boundaries are the ones who benefited from you having none at all. And so when you have those and you deploy them without fear of losing them, I deployed boundaries the other day with someone. I said, no, I'm sorry. That's not what I can give you. I don't want to owe my time to someone. I don't want to have to check in with someone every day. I don't want people to know where I am all the time. I'm sorry. I'm not doing that. Ooh, they didn't like it. But it felt so good to me. It felt like cracking your back. You're like, oh fuck yeah, this is amazing. And you kind of get addicted to weeding out things that don't serve you. It's like purging your closet. You're like, wait, oh this feels so good. Why have I hung all this crap, fear, obligation? No, 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 no. We're all done with that. So come up with your boundaries. Have a plan to keep working on yourself, whether it's you go to therapy once a week, you read a self-help book once a month, you watch all my videos while you're getting ready in the morning, you go to the gym, you put your health first, you put your friendships first, you mend fences with family. Then when these other categories are aligned, yeah, you can annex in relationships. And you can always, though, check in with yourself and be like, you know what? I feel myself getting off track. I feel like these boundaries are slipping. That means this isn't a healthy relationship for me, either because it's him or it's me or I'm not ready or whatever it is. We must always check in with ourselves. We must always stay on schedule. And we must always rely on our own resiliency. Thing might go belly up, even if you do everything right. That's okay. Happiness isn't about never getting knocked down. It's about getting back up when you do.